Hey, my friend, welcome to the Living a Better Story podcast. You know, sometimes we call this podcast an experience because all throughout the mass variety of amazing guests we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business growth numbers, forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. My name is Daryl Stinson, and I'm one of the content producers here. I trust that you're already living an amazing story, but whether you are or not, we are here to help you live a better one. The process is simple. No matter where you are in business or life, we are going to show you how to complete your past, tell the truth about your current reality, and empower you to live a better story. So, as you hear stories that inspire you and information that can help you, please do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast, share with others, and let us hear about the goodness that's happening in your life. All right, my friend, that's all for now. Go enjoy the episodes and get ready to swing open wide the door to unlimited opportunities. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. Today, I'm with someone that I met about two, three, four months ago, and it's a long story of how we met, and it's a great one. Uh, And I'm really, really excited to have Jarvis here because I tell his story probably more than he tells it. (laughs) So, So Jarvis Guthrie, I'm so glad to have you here today. Welcome. Hey, brother Chad. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure and honor. Oh, man, there's just so much with your story that I think is revealing to that will be revealing to so many people because uh, we we all go through stuff in life. Right. And so when you're able to be authentic and just share it with everybody and and share what you've learned from those experiences, it's so powerful. So before we get to the punchline, I like to rewind the tape and say, tell me about when you were a kid, right? You're you're young. Some of your first memories Tell me about what were your passions and what, what did you care about when you were younger? Oh, it was amazing. I had a, a great childhood. Um, I played sports. So I was always playing football, basketball, track. I was traveling. I've been six foot two since probably fifth grade. So I've always been big and tall. So I was always into sports and into um, keeping my grades up. Um, so my parents, um, they molded me and shaped me pretty good. Um, I actually wanted to be a lawyer when I was in middle school. So, um, so, so you knew God gave you the gift of tallness and you leveraged it. So that's pretty cool. My son was supposed to be six, three. They said now he's probably sitting around five eleven. he's 20. And, uh, I don't know if he's going to get to the full six, three, but he, he does keep creeping up on me. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So if, if you could, if your younger self was sitting right next to you right now, and mm. and and just looked up at you and go, hey, Jarvis, um, what do you think he would say about what you're doing right now? Because you've got these things when you're a kid that you want to do and where you think you'll be. What do you think he'd say to you? What do you, what, you know, what, what do you think he'd say to you? Um, the younger um, version of myself would say to me, um, you're a role model. You're a mentor. Um, you help people. You love on people. You serve people. Uh, yourself less but it's been a process for me to get where i'm at today but i would tell my younger self you you have to be patient you have to be humble uh, you have to think about others you have to put god first that's what i would say to my younger self that's amazing i don't think a lot of people can actually 
answered in the way that you did. And, and I think that's important for people to think about where's the gap between what our younger selves thought we should be doing and what we actually are. Because when we're young, man, that's like, you know, Jesus talks to the little children, right? And and we need right. to be like children. And so if we can think in those terms of, well, where, where's the gap of what I thought I'd be doing when I would be a parent and what I actually am doing? So the fact that the 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 gap between what you're doing and what you thought you should be doing, it's there is no gap. And that right. that's living in God's... Uh, footpath. So that's really neat. Um, okay. So if, if others, if you were to ask friends of yours, um, or if I asked friends of yours, Hey, what are the top three words that you would use to describe Jarvis? What do you think that, uh, that they might say to you or what they say? To um, me? Three words to describe me would be a man of integrity. Um, somebody who loves to serve somebody who is goofy and funny. <laughs> I love it. Those are three yeah. great traits. Um, okay, so you had a great childhood. Your parents taught you some good things. You you did baseball, basketball. You were in sports. We all hit that buzzsaw moment in life. And, and I, I know yours, but our audience doesn't. So tell me, when did you hit the proverbial buzzsaw in life? And then later, how did that become an actual gift? Um, I knew I was gifted um, at an early age. Um, I've seen how people would gravitate towards me, but deep down inside, I was a very um, prideful, um, arrogant um, individual. So I thought um, the world was centered around me. And um, just looking back, it's like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? You know, because even good people can go to hell too. You know, that's what the Bible says. So being a good person is not going to get you far in life. You know, you have to have character. You got to have qualities that people don't see. Love, joy, peace, you know, doing the right things when nobody um, is watching. So um, being a, um, a high school jockey or, or a wide receiver, uh, a diva, you know, I thought everything was supposed to be handed to me. Um, I did work hard, but um, because I had good grades and because um, I was making plays on the field, um, I thought I was above everybody. You know, I, I would be little people. I was very arrogant. And, um, you know, the saying, a hard head makes a soft behind. So um, I know that God put me, you know, in prison to um, discover my identity. You know, the man that he always created me to be. And being able to go to prison and being able to see um, who Christ was, that revealed who I am. You know, so it was a, a, a major life-changing ex exchange you know so that that old person is no longer no longer exists wow so without we don't have to get into all the details of how you got to prison uh someday they can read about it in a book i'm sure or or hear your ted talk in not too many months from now but um tell us about the experience when when you went into prison you're you're you know you come in with that arrogant coat on and you're like hey look at me i'm i'm the guy here how, how does how does god chisel you inside of that environment and and how long were you there i don't know if i know how long you actually spent in that area okay so um i was sentenced to 24 months um in prison so um the first day of prison we are stripped of all our clothes, all our belongings, you know, we're butt naked, 
we're in a line between 10 to 20 men. Um, we're squatting, coughing, picking up, and squeezing. You know, a very uncomfortable situation. So the first day of prison, it really is like, oh, my God, you know, what did I get myself into? You know, is this is not my life. This is not where I want to be. So the first day was like, oh, my God, Jarvis. It really sets you up right from day one. You recognize that, mm -hmm. hey, I'm I'm just a man. <laughs> there's no there's no need to be arrogant. I'm just like everybody else. And and my yeah. job is to help other people. Wow. Okay, so when did Rodney show up? Uh, because he played a big part in your life, Pastor Rodney. What how did that right. transpire? So um it was probably six months into my incarceration now i met um, pastor rod so pastor rod is a retired um, jso officer police officer and he would come into the prisons to volunteer so i was under his wing for for a year and um i was getting ready to um to be released and i asked him i said sir i feel a divine connection i said i'm getting released from jackson where are you from and he says, I'm from Jacksonville. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. So I got released April 2nd of 2014. And that day was a Wednesday. And what I decided to do was go to church. So my first day out of prison was going to church. Um, all my brothers and friends were waiting on me to party. And that, that first day out of prison was very critical for me. So I went to church. I testified. And um, pastor in the church, they gave me a strong concordance and like a Greek and Hebrew um, Bible because um, I love Greek and Hebrew. So that was that, that was my gift. Wow. So that experience of going in stripped, meeting Pastor Rod and then getting out April 2nd, 2014, I feel like you are so tightly tied to a relationship with God that it's unbreakable. Like Absolutely. if someone came in with a sledgehammer or a machine gun, it would not matter. Um, what do you think God showed you in those two years or probably less for good behavior? Uh, knowing you, you got out a little early, but um, yeah, I did. you know, what do you think, <laughs> what, what, what transpired during that time? that caused you to have an unbreakable bond and a relationship like no other? Um, it was, it was small things. So my mom, she would give me $20 a week. That was my commissary. $20 is a lot of money. Okay. In prison. Um, I was eating, I was eating very well, but each of my, my bunkies and my roommates, they were poor. They had nobody writing them letters. They would get no mail, no commissary. And it really just, that's what really turned my heart, seeing how fortunate um, I was and how um, I took a lot of things um, for granted. So being in a cell with multiple people who had nothing, who had no family, who had no support, um, it really opened my eyes. So um, that's when I began to change. Um, and that's when I began to give. So my mom was giving me $20 a week. I'll give out $2 in food, two honey buns. You know, I would go around my dorm and ran, randomly pick two people. And then acts of kindness in prison, it just, it gravitated a lot of people to me. So I became like a house manager, leading Bible studies. 
And I was just able to see um, miracles before my eyes, you know, um, being in God's presence. I look at that as my genesis, you know, walking with the Lord, you know, that conversion, you know, being able to learn how to pray, learn how to fast, you know, everything that Pastor Rod taught me, being able to apply that, which is wisdom, you know, knowledge is gaining information, but wisdom is applying that, being able to applying what I've learned in the Bible. It was like, wow, this is all I know. This is all I want to do. So he, he, he planted me, you know, I wasn't buried in prison in time when people were um, in college playing football or the military. No, I was starting my, my calling, you know, I don't have a career. A job is what you do, but God gave me a calling, which mm. supersedes a, a career, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, if you were sitting down next to someone who hasn't found the Lord as you have, and maybe they're in their, you know, partying days and, and they're out running around doing stuff, it, it may be hard to reach them. But if, if, if someone gave you 20 minutes and just said, all right, Jarvis, I'm sober right now. It's lunchtime. Why should I have a relationship with God? What do you think you'd tell that person? Um, what I'll tell that person um, is I'd rather show that person acts of kindness. You know, I would go out probably to lunch with them, sit down, talk one on one and just give examples of what um, the Bible says, what Jesus has done, his promises, um, his scriptures. You know, it's like it's like fishing. You know, you have to learn how to just debate people in, you know, uh, some people are not ready to receive Christ, you know. That's why it's so important how we live our lives, you know? So let's go get something to eat. Let's break some bread and let me find out, you know, where you are at, you know, and I was come to you and, and, and love on you. And that's how I've been um, able to bring people to church is making relationships, making impacts, you know, within our first meetings. Um, that's just kind of who I am. You know, what can I do for you? That's that, the person that's, I am. That is so good because I think a lot of us think, well, I need to learn the scripture and that's not bad to learn it. However, it's, it's be, it's, it's being the person that God made you right. be. And whether you read a chapter of the Bible or not, you know what God calls you to do. And, and, right. and that's, that supersedes uh, reading the Bible, I think, and, and right. read by example. So that's, that's awesome. Have you, have you ever heard the greatest sermon? I have not. The greatest sermon is not the one that's preached. The greatest sermon is the one that's lived, mm. you know? Yes, so sir. when people look at our lives, they should be able to see Christ in us, God in us, you know? There's something different about us because we're not in this world no more. We're out of this world, brother, you that's know? Right. So people are able to see glimpses of our lives, you know, to eternity, you know? Yeah, that's, that's right. how I look at it. What about some people hear God, they talk to God, maybe he whispers. I had one person who said he actually yelled at her and said, no, you know, and she was like, whoa. And uh, I, I've just, other people have strong feelings. Um, how, how has God talked to you in, in your life, whether it was in behind, you know, behind the line or outside? Uh, how does he talk to you? Uh, one of my gifts and talents is being a visionary. So I'm a visual person. And um, the first few weeks when I was in prison, um, God showed me a casket with myself in it. It was a white coffin. I was in a white suit. 
I've seen my mom and dad and um, more people at my funeral. And God just, God just said simply, I spared you. That was all I needed to see. That's all I needed to hear for God to tell me that he chose me. You know, that was it. So um, I love reading the word. So um, memorizing scripture. Um, so, for example, God will speak to me, John 15. So I'll have to go fetch John 15 and read it and see what he's trying to tell me, you know. So that's how he kind of works. He gives me a little bit. Romans 8 or John 3. And I'll go dive into the word. Wow. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. cool. Because I think so, God talks to people in different ways. You know, I talked to someone right. yesterday who who you'll meet. This lady's amazing. She, LaShondra. And she helps mm -hmm. people, uh, whether they're about to get evicted from their apartment, whether they mm -hmm. just got out of prison, whatever. Mm -hmm. And she helps them to uh, land on their feet, get an apartment, and then not just get the apartment, but then to make more money. And like, mm -hmm. she's just an amazing human being. And she said that when she was eight, she was moving around in foster care and she had two siblings. I think she was the middle or the oldest. Mm -hmm. And they went to church and the mom was generous. The same $20 story that you just gave is what made me think of this because mm -hmm. they went to church and, and they, they go, okay, here, you know, to the brother, give, give $5 out of the 20. And that's all the money they have for the week to spend right. out in the world, you know? And um, he gives the 20 by accident. So the mom comes up afterwards and goes, hey, we made a mistake. We put the 20 in and we really meant to do five. Can we get the 15 back? They go, you're lying. And it's it's a church and they were calling her to, to the mat. And she was like, oh, wow. So the daughter sees this, LaShondra sees this and then goes back the next day. I, I think it was by herself. And she's like walking down this purple. She was like, it's, it's a purple aisle, purple pews. And she goes, you're not going to believe me when I tell you this, but I was elevated. I walked down the middle of the aisle and I actually came off the ground. Wow. And I was like, what? And then all the people were just like, whoa, 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 like God's real. You're, you're, you've been lifted. And, and like seeing those miracles that occur, like when my son was healed from his second, third degree burns, man, when you see it, it becomes just so obvious. And so, you know, you went through this physical and mental uh, challenge for a couple of years that God allowed you to endure to right. experience what you just shared, which is other people, you're, you're, your $20 is better than the next guy who doesn't get anything for the commissary. Right. So think about people who never, never make it into your situation, right? Like you, you really look at it as a blessing. A lot of us are living on yeah. the outside. We never get that blessing. <laughs> and, right. and it's, and, and yet we live in a level of happiness or unhappiness, I would say, that's just below what you would expect. What do you, what can we learn from, from what you went through? How, how do people feel that experience and go, ah, oh, I get it. I can apply this to my life. I, I don't know if you've connected those dots yet, but I'm just curious. Well, I'll say this, Chad. Um, if you aim at everything, you'll hit nothing. See, going to prison, I got my vision. So a vision keeps you disciplined. So. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's the short version, you know, um, 
the Bible says that people perish because of lack of vision and lack of knowledge. So I stepped into that, you know, which is so amazing. I'm like, wow, I can't believe it. You know, it was just, it's indescribable, Chad. So being able to get my purpose, my passion, my vision, the world don't offer this. Not any education, not any college, not any person. Our lives are hidden Christ, you know? That's Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. So um, I was dead, but now I'm alive in Christ, and he reveals everything to us. He will give us everything, you know? Well, at your farm, what I recognize, one of the speakers, I think it was the prison ministry person that was there, one of the two, and Mm -hmm. he said that if 100 people get out of prison, 80 will go back and 20 will stay out. So 80-20 rule. And the common theme of the 20 is they find Christ. And so I look at, I just talked to someone today who's from near the Seattle area. And they're trying Mm -hmm. to do um, neat ideas like, okay, let's teach people skills. Let's warehouse people. Let's like, and they'll go pull homeless people off the street to come on in. And then they'll, they'll help them get skills and all of that for a period of several months. But they don't blend church and state because it's a government-funded program, so they're not allowed. And so my feeling is, man, if the one single thread of the 20 people who didn't go back is Jesus and Mm -hmm. belief in God, then we as a society need to figure that out. And it it probably can't come from the government. It needs to be funded by private citizens like like yourself, like me, and other businesses. So I think that's that's my call to action. When I met you, I knew there was a that you're up to something special, that it's been anointed, that you're building for eternity. And and I just applaud you for everything you're doing. It's it really it's really a pleasure and it's uh it's excellent to be part of your journey. Amen. So all right, everybody. Um Jarvis Guthrie, his website is saved by grace ministries dot net dot net okay dot net and Mm -hmm. um i think dot com points there now as well uh so really cool website and what jarvis is trying to do and not trying to do is doing by the grace of god is Mm -hmm. building a farm it's a 60 acre farm in central florida uh it's about a couple hours north of orlando and the vision is to uh have people that are leaving prison and trying to re-enter society, uh, it's hard because, you know, you go try to get a job at Wendy's or at a, uh, uh, whatever, any place and, and you're a convict. So Jarvis's mission is we're, we've raised almost $25,000. I think we're about five or 6,000 off the goal. And it's going to allow us to build a house on the property. Um, there's some farming work that's going to be done. And by the grace of God, there'll be a ministry there and about four men who Jarvis will minister to and help re-enter society. So check out savedbygraceministries.net and you can find out more information there. And if people want to get a hold of you, Jarvis, what would be the best way to reach you? Uh, through email, um, through LinkedIn. Or through my phone, I, I love to talk. All right, I love to talk to you. you know, <laughs> well, your number's on else. the website, right? So they can find you there. Yes, sir. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining mm-hmm. another Living a Better Story podcast. We've been talking to Jarvis Guthrie, 
And a lot of lessons here today. So, you know, take this, take it all in and look in the mirror and and understand that there are people that are in that that need you and there are people that are less fortunate and and you know you don't have to go to prison to figure these things out so let's let's learn from Jarvis and carry the torch forward and uh and do what God's asked us to do so thanks everybody for joining we'll catch you on the next living better story podcast god's peace Thank you for listening to another episode of Living a Better Story. We hope that today's show has inspired you to cultivate a better understanding of yourself so you can discover your God-given purpose and start living a better story. For the show notes, visit livingabetterstory.org forward slash podcast, where you can also find other helpful resources. Connect with us and join us again next time for another purposeful show.